You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me is Joanne Bainham, Independent Financial Advisor, and we're going to talk, Joanne, I think, about the extraordinary volatility that has unfolded during the first three weeks of September. And I think it's the spring solstice in South Africa, the autumn solstice in the Northern Hemisphere. And goodness me, I wonder if that heralds a little bit of stability, but it doesn't look like it. Well, you know, it's actually, I was thinking about the other day, it's quite unusual for September to be so poor because isn't that all expression, sell in May and come a- go away and come back on St. Ledger Day, yes. which I think is 21st of September. So, you know, normally markets start looking a little bit better around September. This time around, we've had a massive rally sort of from April all the way to September. And since September, the market's been quite weak. So a very unusual year, but then it's unusual in so many counts. I think and no one predicts the market would lose so much. No one predicts the market would rally so much. So it's been a, a particularly odd year, and thanks to COVID, obviously. But right now, what is the market worried about? Well, they're worried about the second wave, aren't they? Yes. And, and interesting enough, I think they're far more, less worried about, you know, and that's, I don't mean to be cruel here, but kind of people dying from the second wave. I think they're far more worried about what governments are going to do. Uh, and there's a huge fear that governments go back into lockdown. I don't know if you're following what's happening in the UK at the moment, but it's an utter disaster from what I can see. Yes, yeah, so well, you know what we, I don't we, like about that and, and what I find very distasteful, and shameful is too strong a word to use, but I do find that the constant policy change is very difficult. If you say we're going to be locked down for the next three months, at least you know how to behave. But one, one day it's one thing and one day it's another, and, and businesses can't plan because of that. Completely, Lindsay, but I, but I think it's more than that. If you, it depends who you want to follow, I guess. So if you want to follow the scientists that are anti-lockdown, which is what I do, the, the lockdowns don't work. I mean, Sweden is the poster child for no lockdowns, and look what's happening to their economy and they're recovering. The fact is, the lockdowns were brought in to save the NHS, we became the UK example, or to make hospitals ready. Then lockdowns became a, we must stay in lockdown because we want the virus to go away. Well, guess what? The virus has not gone away. So lockdowns don't work from a, like, let's save everybody's lives, unless you want to lock down people forever. I mean, Australia and New Zealand are great examples, right? So New Zealand is the poster child. Look how clever we were. We had lockdown very quickly. We've got no viruses. But if they ever open their borders again, it'll come straight back because it only works that the whole world doesn't have COVID. So, so these lockdowns don't work. And I think what's the big worry now is what happens if governments try and do the same thing again, which didn't work, and completely and utterly destroy economies? You know, if you look at the number of people dying from cancer at the moment because they haven't been to hospitals, or even yes. more frighteningly, suicide numbers. Have you seen the suicide numbers because people are so depressed around COVID? It's just utterly ridiculous. But back to the stock market. I think the stock market's worried that governments start doing really, really crazy things again. So in the UK, apparently, I think Boris Johnson's talking to the country tonight with his new plans. They keep threatening people with another lockdown in London. And you're right, Lindsay, how do you plan as a business when you don't don't know what's going on from one day to the next. And how one do you plan how, how do you plan as yeah. a, <clears throat> excuse me as a South African business as well when the rand is so volatile. The rand was 16 just sub 1610 I think it was last week. It went to close to 17 last night and it's now as we speak uh, half past one in the afternoon. It's now 1658 It's all over the place. It's ridiculous this volatility. Well, I think, you know, if you're South African right now, every time the rand strengthens, you should take your money out of the country. That, that's my opinion. So the rand's always been volatile. It's called the rattlesnake. It's getting worse at the moment. Um, I just think long term, 
I think South Africa's in big trouble. I don't know if you've been following the whole issue around SA Airways. I don't know who you've spoken to about that. Mm. But I'm completely and utterly aghast that the government's agreed to bail out SA Airways or give them the 10.4 billion rand in funding they need. Uh, and the reason I'm incredibly upset about it is on, on so many fronts. Firstly, you know, Tito has said, no, we won't give the money. Now it looks like National Treasury has been overruled. That's one point. How does National Treasury now turn around to, and they're about to go to court with um, one of the unions about not paying salaries, you know, the, the predated agreement that they had to pay back salary increases, and they simply refused to do so. And now they're going to court on that. Well, the courts aren't going to let them get away with it because one of their reasons for not paying those salary increases was, was because we need the money for better things in the country, for infrastructure, for education, for housing. Well, they've just turned around and giving that money to SA Airways. So they're going to lose that case. It's just incredibly depressing because South Africa is, is going bankrupt fast and, and yet we're bailing out an airline. I, I just don't understand it. So if South Africa was a company, I'm looking at how the company is being run. I don't like it. I therefore think the share price makes no sense and I wouldn't be buying the company. I, I, think, I think the RAND, I agree with you, Lindsay, I think the RAND weakens from here. I know you apparently got a bet going on on that. On oh that no, that time. bet was a, it was the quickest bet I've ever won in my life. It was it, it was sixteen thirty uh, at the time. Would it go to fifteen eighty or sixteen eighty? I chose the sixteen eighty, and two days later, it's it's, it's yeah yeah of course. I mean, I'm on a roll at the moment. If you'd like to have a bet with me, just but just be careful. I find it disturbing. I find it really. I mean, the Treasury departments of companies, JSC listed companies or private companies, must be tearing their hair out and saying, "Well, if we need to import something, uh, what?" Uh, what price do we do it? Do we take cover? Do we not take cover? Exporters exactly the same. Obviously not the Treasury's fault or anything, or Lesetia Canyago's fault or anybody's because they're managing it quite well. It's just the international speculation that is mucking us about at the moment. And that is because of leaders internationally, I think. No, you're right. I mean, ultimately, the RAND's direction is actually not about the RAND, it's about the dollar, or it's about sterling. Yes. And those are much bigger issues. I mean, what's happening in the States at the moment is very interesting. I think Biden is still ahead in the polls. But if you read between the lines, it looks to me increasingly likely that Trump's going to win the election. Oh, God, even please don't say that. Well, it just, if you look at the kind of, if you listen to Biden's speeches, that the man can barely string a sentence together. Uh, it's rather <laughs> worrying. It's, but it, it is particularly worrying that he can't seem to speak. Uh, and, you know, this is the man who's going to run America one day. And then you've got the issue with... Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just recently died, and the changing level of the Supreme Court. Now, it'll be very interesting to see if Trump elects somebody to that Supreme Court before the election, um, before the actual elections, because that can also swing the election outcome quite hectically. So there's a huge amount of uncertainty out there at the moment. If he, he kind of puts a pro-abortion person in, you know, he might win the Rust Belt more than he's doing at the moment. If he doesn't, he goes for the Florida guy, then he might, the Florida woman, sorry, then maybe he wins Florida. But it's still very iffy as to who's going to win this election. I, think I mean, think I could think it could go either way at the moment. But, but for me, the more violence you see in America, the more I think it's in Trump's camp to win. I think he's got the evangelicals on his side already and the Rust Belt, as you put it. So I don't think he's going to put the anti-abortion uh, woman. Um, I don't think she'll be picked. I think the Hispanic woman from Florida will be, will be put in because Florida is such a key state. But it doesn't matter. I think you're right. I, I think that Biden is going to get slaughtered during the debates. And I don't think that'll serve his purposes very well at all. Look, I must say, over and above all that, it continues to amaze me. Then a country like America, with so many very clever people, 
the only two candidates they've got are Biden and Trump. It's yeah. just mind-boggling, yeah. absolutely mind-boggling to me. You think they'd have somebody of a much higher caliber. Yeah, what is their combined ages? 160 or something? I mean, it really is. If there was anyone with any semblance of credibility going against Trump, he or she would win. But Mr. Biden, he, he's, I mean, he said, seems like a nice chap, but he's a bit doddery, isn't he? Yeah, doddery is exactly the word that came to mind there. Uh, and I think you're right. In any debate, he's going to be slaughtered. But, but I think it will actually boil down to, and, and sadly, the, kind of the violence in America. If you get more and more towns, you know, uh, burning down their buildings, more and more people hit, kill, hurting each other through violence, I think, I think Trump wins it. Because Trump is oh, seen no. as being more of a policeman, I think. And I think that's what Americans will vote for at the end of the day. If only, we'll see. if only most of his base could actually read, and they could read the Bob Woodward book and uh, and, and watch CNN instead of Fox News. There's some of the things that I've been watching on CNN this morning with one of Trump's rallies last night, he said that the coronavirus pandemic doesn't really affect many people. He said he said these words. I heard him say them, and I've seen them written across banner headlines. It doesn't really affect many people. I mean, what? 200,000 dead. What, what is that? And yet, and yet people love him. Lindsay, I, I think the reality is we've got two very, very poor candidates running for the American presidency. Because in as much as I totally agree with you, Trump says some of the most ludicrous comments ever. Equally, Biden doesn't come across much stronger himself. No, he doesn't. So, you know, Biden stands for things that most rational people prefer. You know, if, as you say, if you can read, you probably prefer what Biden stands for. But the reality is neither of those men are particularly impressive. And <laughs> that's the world we're living in today. Let's not forget COVID hasn't gone away. So that's the other thing markets are worried about right now is the second wave. And as I said to you, I'm much more worried about lockdowns. I'm more, much more worried about lockdowns than anything else. And I just don't see governments doing the right thing, whether it's the US or the UK or South Africa. I mean, I, I'm sure you're aware Israel's also gone into a three-week lockdown. Australia is in a lockdown. Yeah, the world's not the great place. And yet the stock markets, back to your volatility question of earlier, the stock markets continue to be all over the place. But ultimately, they keep coming back to technology shares because that's where they think growth is. Yeah. Anyway, what do we do at the moment? Do we look at gold? Do we uh, continue to, as you say, uh, take money out of the country if you're a South African person with the means and um, the ability to do so? Uh, what do we do? What's your, what's your advice? Well, my advice at the moment is continue to have money offshore. So, you know, don't try and put it all in one go, but continue to have money offshore. And don't let the RAND be your reason for not putting money offshore. And the reason I say that is so many South African investors think of, oh, I'll buy South African shares because the RAND is, is too weak. And yet they'll buy RAND hedges and don't understand that Apple or Facebook are also RAND hedges. And yet the only RAND hedge they want to buy is Nuspas, not a RAND hedge like Apple or Facebook. So don't let the RAND be your reason for not holding offshore. I think offshore gives you far more opportunities in far more areas that the JSE just does not represent. I, I, you and I have spoken about African bonds before. That gives you further access to dollar assets. So there's quite a few African bond funds at the moment in dollars, giving you 7% yields. I think that's incredibly attractive if you can take a bit of the risk because it's obviously going to be a little bit more volatile than traditional bond funds. Yes. And then if you're going to have money in South Africa, I think you and I have said this before, SA bonds give you very good yields. You know, there's a lot of asymmetry in the bond market at the moment in the sense that, you know, it's the way the bond market is currently structured that you can take a bit more risk and you get higher returns for your for the bonds that you're buying. So 
if you're putting money into cash at the moment, I don't think that's attractive at all because the yields here in South Africa have dropped so much. But you can buy bonds in South Africa, seven to 10-year bonds, and get a very nice yield pickup, or particularly sort of the 12-year space. So I think SA bonds also make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, and just, but yeah, I think be very careful is the point at the moment because those markets are uncertain. I know you think markets could fall. I think we've discussed this before. Yes. But, you know, equally, trying to tie markets incredibly difficult. At some point in your life, you want to retire. And you need to take risks to do so. So, yeah, maybe co- dollar cost average, as they like to say, into the stock market. Take your time. Don't put it all in at once. But I, but I think the best places to be still for South African investors are offshore. Yes, indeed. And talking about the South African bond market, it's 10-year at the moment, yielding 9.41%. Joanne, thank you very much for your advice. That's Joanne Bainham, Independent Financial Advisor. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.